right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's going on? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. It's a Friday. It's a normally that means it could be good news, but for Kansas football, it's bad news. Scott Fuchs is leaving. Uh, reports are suggesting that he is leaving Kansas to join the Tennessee Titans coaching staff. So a pretty big blow there for Kansas. We'll dive more into that a little bit on this show and probably talk more about that on Monday as well to get some more thoughts on that. As uh, it sounds like Scott Fuchs may be headed to the NFL. Uh, coming up on today's show of Rock Chuck Sports Talk, we're going to be talking a lot of KU basketball as the Jayhawks head down to Norman to take on Oklahoma tomorrow. Pre-game coverage will start at 1.30, tip off at 3 o'clock for Kansas and Oklahoma right here on the original home for the Hawks on at KLWN. Graham Doran is going to join the show coming up at 3.40 from Graham Doran Bracketology to break down Kansas and the rest of the bit of the NCAA tournament bracket at large. And also tomorrow, I believe they're going to be doing their, uh, the committee will do their top 16 bracket reveals. So we'll get Graham's thoughts on that as well. In the four o'clock hour, get to some game picks of some of the other college basketball games happening around the country uh, coming up this weekend. Kansas women's basketball is on the road tomorrow as well against BYU. We'll get into that a little bit in the four o'clock hour. Bill Self met with the media yesterday and spoke quite a bit about all things happening with Kansas basketball. We'll get to that audio coming up at the four o'clock hour. KU Game Picks coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We are out early today, by the way, about 30 minutes early today, as we'll step aside for coverage of high school basketball coming up around 520. We'll be switching over to coverage of the City Showdown on the hardwood. Kansas, or excuse me, uh, Lawrence High and Free State High will be doing battle. The girls tipping out at 530 with the boys tipping off at around 7 o'clock shortly thereafter. Myself and Craig Hirschheiser will be on the call of those games at Free State High School, so you can look forward to that coming up tonight after the show. RCST, as always, is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. So off the top here, Kansas on the road against Oklahoma. This is only the second team this season with the unbalanced schedule that Kansas is playing for the second time, the other one being Oklahoma State. Uh, So with the unbalanced schedule, it's just kind of weird because, you know, Kansas goes and plays Iowa State. Kansas plays, you know, they're going to play Baylor again later in the season. But, you know, they play Iowa State. They play at Texas Tech. And you think, okay, you'll, you'll get to see those teams again. No, you won't. But uh, Oklahoma is one of those teams that Kansas did face earlier in the year. You rewind the clock back to January, January 13th. A little over a month ago, Oklahoma rolled into Lawrence as a top 10 team in that game against Kansas, and the Jayhawks got the win. 78-66 on their home floor. That was also Johnny Furphy's first start. If you remember, that game was coming off of the UCF loss for Kansas, and uh, Furphy made his first start in the game for KU against Oklahoma at Allen Fieldhouse. So uh, keep that in mind as well. And in that game, Kansas, it was a tight game actually throughout the first half. If you remember, Javion McCollum played pretty well in the first half, ended up with 12 points in that first half uh, to help Oklahoma stay within one point of Kansas. It was 38-37 at the half. Jayhawks pulled away in the second half uh, and ended up winning 78-66. This is also KU's last game against Oklahoma before they leave for the SEC. So that's that kind of adds some significance to this game as well. Uh, Bill Self kind of touched on that a little bit during his uh, press conference yesterday that we'll get to later on in the show. But uh, yeah, last one, last time KU plays Oklahoma before they head to the SEC. So there is uh, you know a lot on the line in this game, and in terms of the significance of this game for Kansas, I think it's very important because you want to win on the road and show that you can do that and are capable of doing that. So I think it's significant from that standpoint, right? You're 1-5 in the conference in road games. Your only other road win came in Oklahoma, in Stillwater, against Oklahoma State. Uh, and so uh, a road win, I think, would could do wonders for Kansas's confidence. And from the Oklahoma perspective, this is a team in Oklahoma that earlier in the season probably felt really good about their NCAA tournament chances, but they've got a tough schedule down the stretch here. And 
you they want to solidify themselves and make sure that they are actually are going to be in the NCAA tournament. Right now they are sitting at 17 in or eight pardon me 18 and 7 overall. They are 6 and 6 in the conference. They played a pretty weak non-conference schedule and they have Kansas obviously coming up tomorrow. They still have to go on the road to Iowa State and Ames. They also get Houston at home in early March and they finish the season at Texas. So they do not necessarily have an easy stretch here. And you're already sitting at 18 and 7. If they were to lose three or four of these last five or six games that they have, they could be in some trouble in terms of possibly making the NCAA tournament. So this is certainly a significant game for Oklahoma in terms of trying to boost their overall resume to make the NCAA tournament. And certainly a win against Kansas would go a long way in doing that. So it's a very important game. And obviously from the Kansas perspective, we've we've kind of talked about it throughout the week, but for KU at this point. If you even want to sniff possibly winning the Big 12 title, you pretty much need to go undefeated down the stretch here. And you have this game. You still have games at Baylor and at Houston. You have Kansas State still at home, which Kansas State's fallen off, but that's still probably going to be a pretty energized game. So uh, if you're Kansas, this is by far your easiest chance to win on the road the rest of the season with Baylor and Houston being your other two road games left. You, you want to take care of business here and still feel like you have an outside shot at making a push possibly for the Big 12 title. And then, of course, you've got the, the Kevin McCuller storyline with uh, what, what his status is going to be. Bill Self mentioned yesterday that he expects to have both him and Jawar McDowell available, which is good news. So the question will be, does Kevin McCuller play? How much does he play? What does he look like? Is there a minute restriction there? Uh, is Kansas you know, trying to restrict his minutes? Uh, there's a lot to kind of unpack with, with Kevin McCuller and, and what his status might be. Jamar McDowell is a guy that I think I'm curious to keep an eye on as well because I and I feel kind of bad for him because this is a guy that probably would have seen a significant increase in playing time over the past couple games with Kevin McCuller out and he just so happened that it coincided with him being sick, which really really hamstrung Kansas from a depth perspective. So with him back and healthy, I'll be curious to see what kind of role and what kind of minutes he might get out there on Saturday tomorrow against uh, against Oklahoma. So you go back to their first meeting. As I said, Kansas wins by 12, 78 to 66. This was also the two-turnover game from KU, which tied a program record for fewest turnovers ever in a game. And uh, that was coming off of a game against UCF in which they turned the ball over a lot of times, and that was clearly something they wanted to address. And Bill Self said yesterday that it was one of KU's more efficient games because of the fact they didn't turn it over, even though they didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Kansas shot 43% from the floor in that game, but because they didn't turn it over, they got up a lot more shots than Oklahoma did, which certainly helped them. As I mentioned, this was Johnny Furphy's first start for Kansas, was this game against Oklahoma back on January 13th. Kansas only made three threes in the game against Oklahoma. Furphy ended it with seven points. This was a big game for Hunter Dickinson, 24 points and 14 rebounds for him. Kevin McCuller also had 21 for Kansas in that game, with 10 of them coming at the free throw line. And that's part of the Kevin McCuller discussion that I maybe hasn't been touched on enough, is that Kevin McCuller has been very, very good at getting to the free throw line for Kansas uh, at times this season, and there's been games where Kevin McCuller specifically has gotten a lot of his points uh, at the free throw line, at the free throw line, right? Which is which is something that's pretty telling. And when you think about the rest of this roster for Kansas and kind of how they're built, they you know Hunter Dickinson does not really get to the, has not really gotten to the free throw line that much, and Neither has really anybody else when you, when you start to look at their numbers across the board. So that's kind of an interesting point to bring up here is, is Kevin McCullough is a guy that allows KU to maybe get some points at the free throw line. Again, he had 10, 10 free throws against, 10 made free throws against Oklahoma in their last game. And as I mentioned, Javion McCollum had a big first half for KU, or for uh, Oklahoma, pardon me, with uh, 12 points. He finished with 17 in the game, so Kansas really shut him down in the second half. Uh, and listen, it's fun to trash Oklahoma's home court at Lloyd Noble Center. It's fun to say, well, they have one of the worst home courts in the in in the uh, Big 12. It's a reported sold-out game for Oklahoma coming up. And obviously, like I said, this is KU's last trip to Norman before Oklahoma leaves for the SEC. Uh, I believe Bill Self mentioned it's going to be Billy Tubbs Day, one of the great coaches in Oklahoma history as well. So this is a, a, a crowd that's probably going to be more energized than what we're used to seeing. And... You know, Hunter Dickinson maybe kind of said it himself, said it best himself in post game against Texas Tech. Is that's just what happens when you play Kansas. You get, you get energized crowds, you get juiced up crowds. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, something else to keep an eye on for Oklahoma. They are coming off of a 17 point loss against Baylor earlier in the week on Tuesday, 79 to 62. 
They had won two consecutive games prior to that, but not necessarily in very impressive fashion. They beat Oklahoma State only by four. They did get a big win against BYU at home by 14, 82-66. But then prior to that, they went on the road and lost to UCF by 11. So they've been kind of up and down over these past uh, couple of weeks. They got a 20-point win against K-State. Prior to that, they had lost by one against Texas Tech at home. They got blown out by Texas uh, back on January 23rd at home. So they've been kind of up and down over the past three weeks or so. Like I said, a, a big loss uh, against Baylor in Waco on uh, on Tuesday. And that loss for Oklahoma hurt even more a little bit for them because in that game, John Hughley, the fourth, did not play. And John Hughley is their big six foot ten guy that looks like uh, Brent Venable should be on the phone with him about playing football. He's like he's like 6'10", 270. I think he's listed at two seventy five. Just an absolutely um, a mountain of a man. Uh, he's been a guy that has been a, a pretty considerable role player for them, playing almost eighteen minutes per game. Uh, and he's been he's been pretty effective in w- recent games as well. But uh, he did not play against against Baylor for Oklahoma. And then another guy who'd been really coming on strong for Oklahoma over the past uh, five or six games coming off their bench was Rivaldo Soares, a transfer from Oklahoma. And Soares, or a transfer from Oregon to Oklahoma, I should say. And Soares had scored in double figures in four of the last five games for Oklahoma. And he had 17 points against Baylor before he left with an ankle injury uh, in that game as well. And he was a guy that you go back to the Kansas game. He played he played 26 minutes but only scored two points. But it felt like he'd really started to figure things out coming off the bench for Oklahoma. He gave the Sooners 19 points, uh, including four of six or including uh, three of five from three from uh, in that game against Texas Tech back on January 27th. He put up 11 against UCF, 12 against BYU, and he had 17 against Baylor before he left the game with a, with a, a left leg injury. Porter Mosier said that he wasn't able to put any weight on it. So a couple of big losses for Oklahoma. Uh, Hughley certainly is a big one because that's one less big body that Oklahoma could use to try to throw at Hunter Dickinson. And Dickinson, of course, did have a big game against OU when you go back to that, that meeting they had last month in, in January. So that's a bit alarming. Uh, for Oklahoma, the fact that uh, they they lose a guy that they would probably want to see, you know, trying to battle with Hunter Dickinson, and maybe this is a game where Hunter Dickinson can get back to to getting the ball in the lower post. You know, uh, Bill Self, when talking about Hunter Dickinson yesterday, mentioned that Dickinson was maybe catching the ball at times too high in the post, not getting deep enough in the post, so he could get into his post moves. This is a game where you feel like maybe Dickinson might be able to have the chance to to play a little bit more bully ball and, and try to be more physical. Especially considering, you know, he's had some extra days of rest. Hopefully, maybe he's got his legs back under him and he can go to work against uh, against an Oklahoma team that's going to be a bit short-handed in terms of big bodies they could potentially throw at Dickinson. Uh, it's unclear if either Hughley or Soares are going to play in the game against against Kansas coming up tomorrow. But uh, Soares certainly, again, a guy that was a, really a non-factor for Oklahoma for a good majority of the season, but had really, really uh, seemed like he had started to figure things out coming down the stretch. I mean. Like I said, he scored double, he scored double figures in four of Oklahoma or in five of Oklahoma's last six games. Prior to that game in which he scored 19 against Texas Tech, he would only scored in double figures in five other games all season, five or six games all season, and he's got and he had five in the last five in the last six he'd done it. So he seemed like he had really been starting to figure some things out, and that feels like it could be a, a potentially a, a big loss for Oklahoma and. When you look at Oklahoma and kind of what they've done in conference play, they're sitting at six and six in the conference. Overall in the season, their their defense has been better than their offense, and that's been reflected in uh, in conference play. Also, the biggest area where they've struggled is they have not been able to force turnovers at all. They are dead last in the conference in conference play in turnover percentage, steal percentage, and non turnover percentage. So they've been terrible at forcing turnovers, and that kind of goes back to that KU game where KU only turned it over twice. So. This is a game where you think, where you would hope that Kansas would be in a position to feel pretty comfortable, uh, possession-wise, and maybe not be too rattled in terms of turning the ball over, which would be significant for them in terms of being able to hopefully get up more shots. On the flip side, though, with as much as Oklahoma has struggled in terms of turnovers, they've been the best in the conference in terms of uh, not giving up offensive rebounds. So they've done a pretty good job, even if they aren't forcing turnovers, of preventing offensive rebounds. They're best in the conference in that stat. 
So they're still able to sometimes able to try to eliminate you know second chance opportunities. But overall, uh, their defense has not been particularly great. They've been good. Uh, they've been good at three point defense, second best in the conference actually, at forcing opponents to under thirty percent from three. Well, guess what? That's fine with KU because Kansas has not been good. At, has not been consistent or been shooting threes at a high volume from three anyways. So, yeah, be great on be great at three point defense. Who cares? Uh, so uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, the turnovers, Kansas, you would you would hope would be able to limit turnovers again. And if Kevin McCuller can play, that would probably help out in that area because of the fact that that gives you another guy who can handle the ball. You know, we saw uh, you go back to the Baylor game with no Kevin McCuller and when DeJuan Harris went down, it was K.J. Adams trying to run the point for Kansas. And even though in post-game of that game against Baylor, K.J. Adams said that that's something that they had worked on with him, him being kind of the point guy, it's clear that that's obviously not something that you want to see regularly if you're Kansas. And so if you can get McCuller back, that just gives you another opportunity to to have a guy that can handle the ball uh, against an Oklahoma defense that, again, has not been has been really putrid at forcing turnovers uh, in conference play specifically. Offensively, Oklahoma, they, are, they have been pretty average to below average overall in terms of their numbers. They're shooting 33% from three in conference play. That's eighth best in the conference. They haven't been particularly great from two-point percentage either, just under 50%. Their effective field goal percentage is eighth in the conference. Uh, in conference only play, they don't turn the ball over too much uh, offensively. It's kind of the middle of the pack in there. So Kansas's defense might have a chance, maybe to to try to put some pressure on them and see if they can handle that. And remember, this is an Oklahoma team that, while they may not necessarily have the physical size to throw at Hunter Dickinson, they do have some really great athletes that that you have to be aware of. Right when you look at a guy like uh, Otega Owe, Jalen Moore, who Bill Self called yesterday one of the one of the most athletic players in the conference. Uh, Milo Suzan's another guy that you have to keep an eye on, certainly. But so they, they do have some great athletic players. But when you look at Kansas, and if uh, you know Johnny Furphy's got the length, I think that you can maybe help help stop some of that athleticism. Uh, you look at KJ Adams, who's been so good, obviously. And then uh, I I would guess you would go with Nick Timberlake if as a starter, if if Kevin McCullough is unable to start. Uh, I mean, he's he's been the guy right the past couple games, going back to Baylor and Texas Tech, even after what happened at the end of the Baylor game. And then you look at El Marco Jackson and his athleticism. So you feel pretty good probably about those matchups overall. Uh, so I think I think for Kansas, this is a game where you have a chance to reestablish Hunter Dickinson as you know uh, you know he's been inefficient over his last couple games that kind of culminated in a two and t- a two and twelve shooting game from te- uh, from him against Texas Tech. This is a game where I get the sense you can you can reestablish him, especially if Oklahoma is going to be a bit, a bit thinner on their front line. Uh, I would look to see. I would. I would want to see Kansas play through Hunter Dickinson uh, pretty consistently in this game to get him going again. And hopefully he's. Hopefully he's looking like he's got some fresher legs. You know, again, Kansas is going to have a week off after this game, right? So I think this is an opportunity there to to really possibly kickstart Hunter Dickinson. And then again, I think all eyes will be on Kevin McCuller on if he plays, how does he look, and how much does he play. Those are all questions to keep an eye on as well. But again, I think Jamar McDowell might be a guy to watch as well in this game because he's somebody that I feel like again. Unluckily, was just sick at the same time that Kevin McCuller was out. Otherwise, he probably would have been playing a lot more over the past couple games. So I'll be curious if he's able to to possibly crack his way into the rotation. Kansas takes on Oklahoma tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. You can hear that game right here on KLWN, your original home for the Hawks. Tip off at three o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at one thirty with Brian Haney and Greg Gurley on the call for a three o'clock tip. KU and Oklahoma. We'll break it all down more throughout the show today, and of course, we'll break it down on Monday as well. We'll take a timeout. Hunter Dickinson spoke with the media yesterday as well. We're going to get to that. Graham Doran's going to join the show in less than 20 minutes right here on KLWN. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, and on Fridays we are joined by none other than Graham Doran of Graham Doran Bracketology. You can check out his work at Graham Doran Bracketology. He also is on YouTube with uh, doing all sorts of great bracketology work. And uh, Graham, thanks for so much for coming on again today, as always. Uh, right off the top here, let's just start with Kansas. They are coming off of a pretty big loss earlier this week against Texas Tech. Uh, they got a big game coming up again tomorrow against Oklahoma. They have some big games left in their schedule as well. At this point, do you think it's more likely Kansas could still end up possibly getting a one seed or maybe one of the first two seeds? Or that they might fall down to maybe a four or even a five seed. 
Uh, it's a good question. I think the Jayhawks uh, are probably a little bit more likely to move up to one of the top two seeds than they are to fall to a four to a four or a five. Uh, but yeah, I think a, a four seed is probably more likely than a one seed at this point, uh, just because they've, they haven't done enough on the road. It's really that simple. And then the remaining road tests for the Jayhawks are so difficult, uh, that you really can't imagine a one seed unless they win two more road games and looking at who's ahead on the road. I don't know if that's a, a realistic scenario at this point. Yeah, how much does KU's road struggles really matter in terms of seeding, right? I mean, one and five right now, as you said, it's looking like they it could be difficult for them to even get two more road wins. How much will that matter, do you think, at the end of the day, if they are maybe three and six uh, or even two and seven on the road in conference play? How much do you think that ma- could matter for them uh, in terms of seeding? I think it would matter a lot. I think the the difference of a seed line or even two seed lines is, is possible, and it's not even about the – Oklahoma, Baylor, Houston games to come. It's more about West Virginia and UCF and Kansas State, all games that the Jayhawks had kind of under control at different parts of those games, uh, and they just could not get it done uh, when given the opportunity. I think those games are really going to haunt the Jayhawks as far as seeding goes uh, because those are the sorts of games that one seeds maybe lose once, they don't lose them three times. So I think that's going to be uh, the thing that will ultimately keep the Jayhawks off the one line. Cause I think if they had pulled those games out, uh, they'd probably be not just a one seed right now, but in very good shape for one seed, no matter what they do uh, on the road from here on out. But at this point, I think the Jayhawks are, are very unlikely to get a one seed just because the, the path to get there really does take two road wins from here on out. I just, I don't think that's realistic given the teams they are going to be playing. Kansas has been dealing with some injuries, obviously, with, with Kevin McCuller not playing. How much does that factor in, right? When you look back at, at Kansas, and let's say it's a, it's a decision between Kansas and another team for a two or three seed or whatever it might be, and they're looking at maybe, let's say, the Texas Tech game and the fact that Kevin McCuller didn't play, th- does that matter? Would that affect the possibility of Kansas? You know, Would they maybe get a little bit of a, uh, of a lift up there because of, oh, hey, you know, Kevin McCuller didn't play in that game? Or what's the approach there, you think, with, with a situation like that? I'm really interested to hear what the committee says, uh, because I think they could go two ways with this. I think one could be, hey, you didn't have Kevin McCuller. He's been banged up. That works to your benefit. Maybe you guys are a little bit better than you looked in those games because Kevin McCuller either wasn't available or wasn't 100%. Alternatively, I could also see the committee looking at that and saying, hey, we don't know that Kevin McCuller is going to be healthy this year. And if he's not healthy, maybe your seed line should reflect the sort of performance you had against Texas Tech because you played really, really poorly without him. Maybe that's who you are. Maybe you shouldn't be a higher seed. Maybe you should be a lower seed uh, because that injury is still lingering. At this point, when you think about Kansas and seeding, obviously it's more than just Kansas, right? It, it can sometimes come down to what other teams are doing. What are some of the other teams you think that KU fans maybe should be watching closely down the stretch here that could possibly be impacting whether or not Kansas could get a two-seed or if they're bumped down to a three- or four-seed? I think Iowa State and Baylor, uh, Big 12 teams that we normally pay attention to, uh, are really, really important to the Jayhawks uh, because Iowa State had a poor out-of-conference strength of schedule, but they're 19-5, and and they've been performing very, very well in Big 12 play. So if they keep that up, especially if they get a share of the Big 12 championship, uh, I think Iowa State would end up being above Kansas, uh, knocking the Jayhawks down a seed line. Uh, and Baylor's in the same scenario. I think Baylor is knocking on the door of a two-seed, and I think the Bears could potentially knock the Jayhawks out of a two-seed as well. Uh, so both of those teams, I think, are really, really close to passing Kansas, and how the Jayhawks and those two teams perform down the stretch will determine who gets the better seed line. KU is playing an Oklahoma team that has seen their bracket stock go down kind of recently. Do you get the sense that OU is maybe still locked to make the field at this point, or you know, with a win against Kansas, or maybe if they lose against Kansas, could they be a team that possibly trends downward and maybe even out of the tournament by the time we get to Selection Sunday? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because Oklahoma is looking at uh, a potentially riskier path to the tournament than I think a lot of people are are thinking about. They've had a good year. There's no doubt about that. Even in Big 12 play, they picked up road wins at Kansas State and Cincinnati. Uh, they beat BYU at home. So I think there's a lot to, to be happy with there, uh, beat Iowa State at home. At the same time, uh, this is not 
uh, an Oklahoma team that did a whole lot out of conference. Uh, they picked up a really nice record to start the season, but you look at some of the teams they played that we thought were better, Iowa, USC, Providence, Arkansas, those games looked really good early in the season. They don't look as good now. So I think Oklahoma's tournament standing is a little bit riskier uh, than a lot of people would believe. So, Nick, I absolutely believe Oklahoma needs to go 3-3 three and three down the stretch uh, to end this regular season, or they're going to flirt with the bubble. You, you mentioned to Iowa State there earlier, talking about the Cyclones and what they could do with possibly moving up to maybe even win the Big 12. You have that matchup coming up tomorrow between Texas Tech and Iowa State. Which of those teams do you think that game is more significant to in terms of seeding? Is it Texas Tech or Iowa State? It's interesting uh, to phrase it that way because I think it's equally important in different ways. I think Texas Tech is more likely to move high, uh, highly up the bracket, move more spaces in the overall seed list if they win. But I also think Iowa State, it could be argued it's even more important to them because Texas Tech is talking about, you know, maybe looking at a four or a five seed as opposed to uh, Iowa State potentially entering the one seed conversation. I think Iowa State is uh, knocking on that door of entering the one seed conversation. They just need some more quality wins, and Texas Tech would certainly help with that. Looking nationally, I'm curious about Wisconsin. We, we, we talked about them a little bit last week or had a discussion about them last week. They lost four straight. They did get a win early this week against Ohio State. You and your top 16, you still have them in your top 16 at this point. Uh, how do you project their resume after, you know, you looked at what they, how high they got and then how far they kind of tumbled down after those losses. How do you, how do you kind of work that out? How do you kind of seed them at this point? Well, I think it is difficult to seed Wisconsin because they have been playing so poorly down the stretch. At the same time, they built themselves such a cushion to start the year. Uh, you know, not necessarily a great overall record at 17 and 8, but some of the quality wins they have are really shining. Uh, neutral court over Virginia out of conference, home against Marquette out of conference. Uh, in Big Ten play, they won at Michigan State. Uh, these wins really kind of shine through. I think looking at what Wisconsin's done so far, still having six quadrant one wins. Nobody else below them, I think, has that many quality wins, uh, numerically at least, that's for sure. Uh, so I think Wisconsin uh, still hanging in for me at the 15th overall seed. Would I be surprised if uh, you know the committee said they're more of a five seed? No, I wouldn't. Um, at the same time, I do feel pretty confident Wisconsin's a four seed right now based on the resume that they have to this point. I did notice you you had moved Illinois above them, and I remember from last week that was kind of a, an interesting conversation. What what kind of made you decide to maybe uh, put the put the Illini above Wisconsin at this point? I think it just comes down to the fact that Rutgers ended up losing on Saturday when they, or excuse me, Wisconsin ended up losing to Rutgers on Saturday, uh, not just in a close game but by twenty two points. So that was kind of that you know tipping point where I think Wisconsin's quality wins gave way to a team that doesn't really have many quality wins, just three quadrant one wins, but a team that looks really good and looks like a potential title contender, at least a dark horse title contender. So uh, for me, I think it just got to the point where uh, comparing the two teams, it seems natural to believe Illinois is the actual better team between the two. So I think even though Wisconsin might have a slightly better resume, I think Illinois' quality is so much uh, that it overcomes Wisconsin. UConn is number one in the country in the AP poll, but you still have Purdue as your number one overall seed right now. When you try to compare those two teams, what made you maybe decide, hey, okay, the Boilermakers right now have that number one overall seed over UConn? I think UConn has some nice wins, but let's compare that to what Purdue has. They beat Gonzaga on a neutral court, Tennessee neutral court, Marquette neutral court, Alabama neutral court, Arizona neutral court. I mean, that's just out of conference. That's not even including what they've done here in the Big Ten, winning 10 straight games. So I think if you look at what Purdue has done over the course of the season, it's been a really, really dominant season against a very difficult schedule. They scheduled very tough out of conference and shined against that tough out of conference schedule i think no matter what uconn has done to this point purdue has played such a tough schedule and done so well against it uh, that purdue would have to be at number one overall until they falter and i think at this point even probably one more loss purdue would still probably be number one overall i think purdue probably has to drop two games to fall to uh, number two overall or perhaps even one really bad game for example if they lost at home to rutgers or something like that you kind of answer my next question there. You look at UConn, they're playing Marquette coming up tomorrow. 
You kind of answered my question, though. I mean, in your eyes, do you think it would be more on Purdue having to falter versus UConn picking up more big wins to try to jump them for that number one seed? Yeah, I do. I think UConn doesn't really have enough opportunities if Purdue keeps pace at this point. Uh, you know, Purdue doesn't have a terribly difficult closing schedule, but they do have Michigan State at home, uh, at Illinois, home to Wisconsin. There's enough quality there that I think Purdue's lead is so much uh, that UConn really can't pass them without Purdue stumbling at some point along the way. I'm curious about the Mountain West at this point. You've got a lot of teams in that conference that could make a claim to make the NCAA tournament. When you look at that conference overall, what's kind of your takeaways of who might be able to make it in? And is there a possibility that the Mountain West could be a conference that takes away from maybe some Power 5 schools like the Big 12 that otherwise might be in in different years of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, absolutely. I think it could. Uh, I was thinking that the Mountain West might be looking at six bids until there was a, a costly loss. Um, last week where uh, New Mexico lost the UNLV. And I think those are the sorts of games that the, the top six, team team, six teams in the country, or in the conference, excuse me, have been avoiding. And now that they took another loss outside of that grouping, I think it's most likely that the Mountain West will end up getting five bids. New Mexico actually went to Reno and beat Nevada uh, in what was a really important road win for New Mexico. They'd been really struggling on the road. Now they added that big victory. I think Nevada is now the most likely team of those six to fall out of the bracket. Right now I have six teams from the Mountain West, but I think it's going to end up being five. And New Mexico has a big game against San Diego State tonight as well. How much do you think that game could impact possibly both of those teams and, and where they could end up? I think it could have a huge impact for both of those teams, uh, particularly for San Diego State. Right now, I think San Diego State's a solid five seed, but I could see them entering that protected seed conversation if they win tonight. Uh, and so San Diego State uh, obviously made a run to the national championship from the five line this year, uh, last year. I think if they could get up to a three or a four seed, which I think is possible depending on how they end up uh, finishing this season, that could make their path that much easier for a potential back-to-back run, kind of like Butler had uh, in 2010 and 2011. Well, the committee is going to reveal their top 16 coming up tomorrow. What are you, what are you most intrigued about to see from that top 16 that they come out with tomorrow? Uh, I'm really mostly intrigued to see how they handle two particular spots in the bracket. Uh, one of them is the back end of the two line. Right now I have the, the number two line as Marquette, Tennessee, Kansas, UNC in order with Iowa State and Baylor just outside of that two seed area. Uh, so I think that's where I'm most interested in is where do they order those teams, uh, particularly Kansas, UNC, Iowa State and Baylor. Uh, and then I'm also very interested in the back end of the three line and the top of the four line. So uh, for me, I have Alabama 11th and Auburn 12th as the last two three seeds. And I have my top four seeds as Duke, Illinois, Wisconsin, and then rounding it out, Clemson. Uh, I think there's a lot of question marks about how the SEC teams there, Alabama and Auburn, are going to be treated. They have not performed well against Quadrant 1 but they look really, really good and have fantastic predictive metrics. So I'm very curious to see how the committee is going to treat those two teams. And just, just how much weight do you put into this, this reveal that they're going to have coming up tomorrow? I mean, is it something where it's, it's going to explain a lot, or do you think there, are, is, there still could be some, some mystery, I guess, to kind of what their thought process is after this release? I think it will explain a lot of things. I, I really do. I think we have some teams that are kind of, as we talked about a bit of a mystery, like teams like Auburn and Alabama, how do you evaluate a team that is struggling so much in quadrant one, but is so good with their efficiency and they have strong overall records despite those struggles in quadrant one. I think those are the sorts of questions that will kind of be illuminating for further down the bracket. Uh, If they treat Alabama and Auburn well, maybe that means they're going to treat teams like Creighton and St. Mary's well. If they don't treat them as well because of how they did in Quadrant 1, maybe that's trouble for those teams like Creighton. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to handle those teams because it could be an eye-opener for the rest of the bracket. We're talking with Graham Dorn of Graham Dorn, Graham Dorn Bracketology here. Uh, and Graham, you yourself are going to be participating in a mock committee. Kind of talk me through that and what that's going to look like. And if people want to find that, where can they do that? Yeah, uh, if you just search 2024 Mock Committee or Mock Selection Committee on Twitter, you'll find us. Uh, Basically, I'm getting together with some other bracketologists from around the country. uh, And tonight we're going to be doing a YouTube bracket reveal show where we go together 
and look at the different teams in contention for these seeds and bracket uh, our own pick at what we think the committee is going to do for the top 16 teams in the country. And then we're going to do the same thing in a couple weeks, except we're going to do it for the entire bracket in Omaha. Uh, We're all flying in to uh, be a part of that exercise. And it's really just a good opportunity for people not just to see what does a bracket potentially look like uh, in in advance of what the real committee is going to do? But what's that process like? What are the things the committee's evaluating and talking about? Because we might not always vote the same way that the committee is going to vote, but we're probably talking about the same exact things they're talking about. Uh, so if you hear some of the things that are important to us, they're surely going to be important to the real committee as well. He is Graham Dorn of Graham Dorn Bracketology. You can check out his work, as he said, on YouTube for the mock selection committee. Also, you can find him on Twitter at Graham Dorn Bracketology, doing fantastic work as always. Graham, appreciate your time and look forward to speaking to you next week about uh, this uh, exciting reveal from tomorrow. Thank you, Nick. All right, that was Graham Dorn of Graham Dorn Bracketology joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, about an hour and a half to go. We're going to be out a little bit early here on the show today as we'll step aside for high school basketball coverage coming up at 5.30. It's the city showdown on the hardwood as LHS takes on Lawrence Free State. Myself and Craig Hershey will be on the call. Coming up next in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll get to our game pick of some of the top games from around the country. Also get some women's basketball talk as Kansas will be on the road against BYU and Provo. Uh, tomorrow, and we'll also get to hear from Bill Self as he spoke to the media yesterday. And coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to our KU game picks as well uh, for KU and Oklahoma. All that and more coming up next here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Nick Springer from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch services can help you stay loose and limber and clear your mind and help your body. Their total body stretch services are completely customizable. All you have to do is sit back, relax, and breathe deep while they help you through the guided stretches. So if you've been dealing with aches and pains, be sure to check out Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th and Black Bob in Olathe. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, and it's time to get to our game picks of some of the top games coming up this weekend in the, in the world of college basketball. No more football games to, to pick, unfortunately. Super Bowl's done. College football long gone. College football, though, that's still in the news with the NCAA football 25 coming out. And if I were to tell you that I'm excited for that, that would be an understatement. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So, But for now, it's just on to college basketball. It's on to full, on to full college basketball season. And it, even though you know football's done, this is still a fun time because you are on to now where it's exclusively college basketball. And what you are paying attention to is college basketball as we get closer and closer to March here. Uh, and, of course, with Kansas – We'll see what the Jayhawks can do once they get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, in college basketball so far this season, I'm 14 and 14 and two. So if you have rode with me on some of my picks, you would be exactly even. Uh, so I guess I am the definition of consistency, of consistently not winning, sort of. Uh, 14 and 14 and two is my record. Uh, for some of these games, the lines aren't fully out yet. For it's you know with college basketball, you never know. You get Saturday games where sometimes the lines aren't out yet. So. We'll be using Ken Palm's numbers for some of the lines for uh, some of these games here uh, on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So we'll start with the game that's actually tonight. New Mexico at San Diego State. You may be thinking to yourself, Nick, you're not really going to break down New Mexico and San Diego State, are you? Well, I am, and that's because if you look at the Mountain West, the Mountain West standings are crazy, and the Mountain West is looking at possibly getting five, six, seven teams in the NCAA tournament. You got Utah State, New Mexico, San Diego State, Boise State, Colorado State, Nevada, even UNLV might be trying to sneak their way in there. It's it's a wild conference, and this is a big game tonight between New Mexico and San Diego State. Two teams that are eight and four in the Mountain West. They're one game back of, of Utah State. So the winner of this game will remain will remain basically one game back or be half a game back if they win uh, tonight against against uh, their their opponent. While the other team may be possibly too far out of the discussion to win the regular season title in the Mountain West. San Diego State's at 19 and six. Mexico is at 20 and five. San Diego State's favored by six points in this game at home. 
and I am going to ride with the Aztecs. Give me San Diego State in this one. I think they'll stay within touch of the uh, top of the Mountain West. But, yeah, the Mountain West standings are crazy. Talk to Graham Dorn about that, about the Mountain West and just the, the chaos of this conference that it's certainly the best non-Power 6 conference, I guess, and maybe one of the best non-Power 6 conferences in terms of number of teams that could make the NCAA tournament that we've seen in a long time. So, uh, I like San Diego State tonight. All right, on to tomorrow with some games. Looking at the Big 12, TCU is on the road against Kansas State in an early game tomorrow. And Kansas State is actually favored by one point in this game over uh, over TCU, which is a little surprising considering Kansas State has been struggling uh, as of late. They haven't looked too great. Uh, TCU, on the other hand, is a team that is, I guess, still very much battling for uh, their tournament positioning in terms of seeding. They're sitting at 17-7 and overall, 6-5 and in the Big 12. Kansas State's down at 15-9 and and 5-6 and in the Big 12. If you look at this from Kansas State's perspective, they have to win if they want to still make, have a discussion to make the NCAA tournament. This is a team that you think you think back to when they beat Kansas, and it felt like okay, you beat Kansas. Maybe you know that was after I think a three or four game losing streak that they had. You win that game. Now you're maybe back in the discussion a little bit, but they haven't really done much beyond that. A win against TCU on the road would go a long ways, but. You know me. I can't pick Kansas State. I'm taking TCU in this game, uh, plus the one, and I think TCU probably wins outright. So next up in the Big 12, it's Texas Tech and number 10 Iowa State in Ames. Iowa State, you know, this is a team that if they had, if that shot had counted against Baylor, they would be right there in discussion for winning the Big 12, and they still are obviously tied right now with uh, with Houston at the top of the Big 12. So a huge game for Iowa State and for Texas Tech. Kind of in the similar boat. I mean, with their victory over Kansas, they're now 18-6 and six and 7-4 and four in the conference. They're probably a lock to make the NCAA tournament at this point, but a win in Ames would certainly go a long way in terms of boosting their tournament resume as they push for the NCAA tournament as well. It's really, really tough to win in Ames, though. Iowa State, uh, this is a VA. Ken Palm has it as a seven, has a seven-point game. I'm going to take Texas Tech to cover the seven, but I think Iowa State probably gets the job done in Ames. They've been pretty strong. Next in the Big 12, Texas is at number three, Houston. And Ken Palm has this game as an 11-point game. Uh, it's 11.5 on DraftKings as uh, Texas is 11.5-point dogs on the road against Houston. And Houston, they've they've been quietly really strong, obviously. I guess I shouldn't say quietly, but they're sitting at 21-3. and three. They're 8-3 and three in the conference. They're in on the one line and basically every bracketology you look at right now. And they may be, if they keep, if they're able to win out enough, they may be in a situation where no matter what happens at the Big 12 tournament, they've locked themselves into a one seed. I think that's definitely possible. At home against Texas, Texas, another team, though, that's desperately trying to hang on to a possible tournament, tournament bid. But give me Houston here. I think they're, I think they're going to smash Texas and maybe end Gus Frink's, I mean, uh, <laughs> I can't remember his real name. I, I make the joke so much, I don't even remember his real name. Rodney Terry. Gus Fring, I mean, Rodney Terry. Uh, for uh, I think they're going to ruin his hopes. To the SEC, Texas A&M is at number 15, Alabama. And Alabama was a team that was just atrocious on defense early in the season. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Tide here, though. I like Alabama in this game over Texas A&M. Texas A&M is, I think, fading a little bit. I'll take Alabama. Probably the game of the day overall in college basketball, number four, Marquette, and number one, UConn. UConn is seven-point favorites in this game at home, which feels like a lot to me. So I'll, I'm going to roll with Marquette here, even though I don't necessarily think they're going to win the game, but I, th- I think they can cover seven points, I feel like, against UConn. Uh, UConn has been looking pretty strong lately. They're another team that's square on, on the one line, and that's another game like we talked with Graham Dorn where that's a game for Kansas from the Kansas perspective that could impact KU seeding depending on how things go, right? you got a, a team at number four, Marquette, that with a loss could possibly – help that could possibly help Kansas I think really so I guess you'd be rooting for UConn because Kansas beat UConn also early in the season so you'd probably be pulling for them Uh, top game in the SEC top game in the SEC is Kentucky and Auburn number 23 number 22 Kentucky at number 13 Auburn you know I can't pick you know I can't pick Clown of Perry Uh, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Auburn here at home Although I'm not really much of a fan of Bruce Pearl either. This is a game where I wish both teams could lose, but it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. But yeah, I can, with Kentucky, man, I have some concerns about what's going to happen with Kentucky in the sense that I, I feel like they're going to probably 
looked not that great down the stretch. They're sitting at 17-7 and seven right now. I think they're going to maybe fade a little bit more down the stretch. They still have to play Alabama and Tennessee. They could easily end up with 9-10 losses heading into the uh, SEC tournament. They're probably going to end up as being a lower seed, and then they're just going to win because they have a lot of talent in the NCAA tournament. People are going to think, oh, Calipari is a great coach, when in reality, he was bad in the regular season and just has a lot of talent that can win in the NCAA tournament. So we'll see what happens with that one. But I'm taking Auburn uh, against Kentucky in that one. A couple more Big 12 games here to round things out. Uh, number 18, BYU, is at Oklahoma State. Uh, Ken Palm has this as a nine-point game with uh, Oklahoma State being underdogs in this one against BYU. BYU, of course, is a team that Kansas is going to be seeing soon at Allen Fieldhouse, coached by Mark Pope, shooting a lot of threes. And they are sitting just one game behind Kansas in the Big 12 standings at 6-5. and five. Uh, I think BYU is probably going to handle business in this one. Mike Boynton's comments did not inspire me very much with his uh, complaining about NIL and all that stuff because guess what, Mike Boynton? Your team was bad before NIL. And by the way, the only reason you got Cade Cunningham is because you hired his brother or whatever. And then as soon as Cade Cunningham left, you you fired him or you got rid of him, whatever. So you were playing the game too just as much as anybody else. And uh, yeah, I don't feel sorry for Oklahoma State at all. Uh, I've started to turn on Mike Boynton. I know he, he's, I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, Mike Boynton's a good coach. And, you know, he got kind of screwed over by Oklahoma State's NCAA penalties and whatnot. I don't know. I'm starting to think maybe he just sucks and also has no talent. So, yeah, BYU is going to roll on that one, I think, against Oklahoma State. I, don't, I think Oklahoma State's pretty much thrown in the towel in the season. A game that on paper may not seem very sexy or attractive, Cincinnati at UCF. But this is actually could be a very, very important game for both teams in terms of NCAA tournament implications. Cincinnati sitting at 15-9. and nine, They're 4-7 and seven in the conference. UCF is sitting at 13-10 and 10 and 4-7 and seven in the conference. But UCF is starting to pop up on some bubbles as a team that could possibly, if they're able to win some more games here down the stretch, sneak in. And Cincinnati is another team that I don't know that is necessarily guaranteed. So a very important game, I think, from an NCAA tournament standpoint, even though it maybe doesn't matter much in the Big 12 standings. Uh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati on the road here. I think Cincinnati is a very, very tough team, and I really, really like what they are what they're doing. So I'll pick Cincinnati here. Ken Palm has a, a one-point game in favor of Cincinnati, actually. So I'll take Cincinnati in uh, in this game. And lastly, in the Big 12, uh, it's Baylor at West Virginia. Uh, Baylor is right now ahead of Kansas in the Big 12 standings, sitting at 7-4 and four and 18-6 and six overall. They're another team that you got to keep an eye on if you're Kansas because, A, you have to play them again coming up here in Waco in a few weeks. And on top of that, that's a team that I think, depending on how things shake out, could be a team you need to be worried about in terms of bumping Kansas off of a seed line, right? I mean, if Baylor's able to perform well and play well, you could, they could become a two seed, which could knock Kansas possibly down to a three seed or, or something like that. So I'm going to go with Baylor, though, against West Virginia. West Virginia, that's a loss that, that just continues to hurt more and more for Kansas as you look back on it because they just haven't really done anything else. They're sitting at 8-16 and 16 overall in the season. Very, very frustrating loss, I think, for Kansas, the more we look back on it. That one, and UCF, UCF probably even more so because of the fact that you were up 16 in the first half, but that one against West Virginia, I think, stings too as well. So I'll go with Baylor. Uh, Ken Palm has that as a 10-point game. So I'll pick Baylor with that one with uh, the last game of our game pick. So that's uh, game picks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to get to some women's basketball talk coming up in our next segment as KU women head to BYU. Also, Still need to hear from Bill Self. He spoke to the media uh, yesterday ahead of KU traveling to Norman. That's coming up later on in the 4 o'clock hour here. And then we will also be getting to more KU basketball talk uh, in previewing Oklahoma and uh, my KU game pick coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Don't forget we are out early today at 5.30, just before 5.30, for coverage of high school basketball coming up here on KLWN. It will be uh, the City Showdown, Lawrence Free State and Lawrence High coming up from Free State High School Myself and Craig Hirschheiser will be on the call. That's coming up at, like I said, about pregame coverage will start around 5.20. Tip off for the girls game at 5.30 and for the boys shortly thereafter, probably around 7 for the boys game. Both those games right here on KLWN. And don't forget, you'll be able to hear KU men's basketball coming up tomorrow afternoon. Pregame coverage at 1.30, tip off at 3 o'clock right here on your original home for the Hawks on KLWN. Let's get to some women's basketball talk. You can hear that game as well, the women's game here on KLWN tomorrow against BYU. Let's break that down a little bit more coming up on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. 
I'm Nick Springer. Remember, don't forget, coming up later tonight after the show, we got the City Showdown coming up on the hardwood. It's Lawrence High and Free State High coming up with the girls game starting around 5.30 and the boys game starting shortly thereafter. Myself and Craig Hershiser will be on the call for those games. Looking forward to the City Showdown coming up tonight after the show. And also tomorrow we have your coverage of both KU men's and women's basketball as well here on KLWN. The men's game tipping off at 3. Pre-game coverage will start at 1.30. We'll be switching over to coverage of the women's game after the men's game at 5 o'clock for their tip-off against BYU. If you do want to hear the entirety of the men's post-game coverage, you'll be able to hear that on our sister station over on 105.9 KISS. Speaking of the men, we're going to get to some Bill Self audio coming up in our next segment as he spoke with the media yesterday before Kansas heads down to Norman. But wanted to get into some KU women's basketball talk right now here as the Jayhawks, they're on the road, as I said, against BYU tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock against the Cougars. And for this Kansas team, they really had a sort of make-or-break moment after the game in Norman uh, against Oklahoma on January 27th. That loss by five points against a, a top-10 Oklahoma team uh, sent them to 10-10. and 10. And at that point, it was kind of, okay, you have a stretcher coming up with some winnable games if you're Kansas. You can still right the ship here and still possibly make your way into the NCAA tournament. And that's exactly what Kansas has done on a four-game win streak. They are 4-0, so they're now sitting at 14-10. and And that first game they played after the Oklahoma game was against BYU in Lawrence, and Kansas won that game by 14 points. Uh, over the Cougars, 67-53. to So now they get a chance to sort of bookend this five-game stretch that started with BYU and they end it with BYU, but this time it's on the road. And as part of this four-game win streak, only one of those games had been on the road for Kansas. It was at TCU back on February 3rd. So a road test for Kansas here coming up. And I think this is a situation where the Jayhawks are aware, hey, we pick up a win here. We've got three games of our last four against top 25 opponents. We can, If we can win one or two of those, and then win some games in the uh, Big 12 Conference Tournament coming up in Kansas City, we might be in good shape to still make the NCAA Tournament and sort of salvage what has been really kind of an up-and-down season for Kansas so far to this point. But this is a very talented team. Kind of mentioned it yesterday. You know, if this team makes the NCAA tournament, who knows what could happen at that point. It's all about just simply getting into the big dance at this point if you're Kansas. And against BYU, as I said, in the previous matchup in Lawrence, Tyana Jackson had a huge game, 25 points and 22 rebounds. And she talked after that game back on February 3rd uh, to beating BYU about the fact that BYU has a center named Lauren Gustin who I think kind of made it known that she thought she was one of the top centers in the conference. And Town of Jackson took that personally and balled out 25 points, 23 rebounds in the game. Samaya Nichols also scored 17 points in that game for KU. Other thing, another important thing to note about this game for Kansas when they played against BYU, this was one of the games that Holly Kurskeeter missed. She did not play in that game. And Holly Kurskeeter is coming off of one of her best performances of the season for Kansas in the midweek game against Cincinnati when she scored 23 points. So you're going to get Holly Kurskeeter back in the stug lineup for Kansas in this game. And they're without her in the win they had against BYU back on February uh, 3rd. And as part of that defense for Kansas in that game, for BYU in that game on February 3rd, it was really one player that kind of went off. It was Kaylee Woolston, one of their guards, who scored 26 points for them and went 6 of 10 from 3. So if the Jayhawks can do a better job defensively on the perimeter to shut down BYU, they could be in position to possibly uh, take take on another win here. You look back at that game, BYU went 8 of 20 from 3. KU just went 1 of 13. So they, they gave up 7 more threes than the, what they made. Uh, against BYU in that game, and yet still won by 14 points. So you feel pretty good if you're Kansas. Obviously, you're going into some altitude, and you're going on the road. It's never going to be easy on the road for this Kansas team. But uh, BYU never led in their first matchup. Kansas got up to as much as a 17-point lead late in the game against the Cougars. So, again, I, I think this is a great opportunity for Kansas to sort of bookend this five-game stretch by beating the team that they beat to start this five-game run, to which would get them to 15-10. and 10. And that would put them in perfect position, really, down the stretch to have really an opportunity to sort of control their own destiny, I think. You know, you go at Baylor coming up next week after this game against BYU, but then you have two home games in your last three against Kansas State and Oklahoma, two top 25 teams. Oklahoma, by the way, is in first place in the conference. If you're Kansas and you can steal one of those potentially or maybe even win two out of those three games between Baylor on the road, Kansas State, and Oklahoma at home, you're going to be adding some very, very nice quality wins to your resume and putting yourselves in possibly great position to make the NCAA tournament at that point. But you still got to take care of business right here in this upcoming game tomorrow against BYU on the road. So we'll have reaction to this BYU game coming up on Monday's show as Kansas will be on the road. Once again, you can hear that game right here on KLWN with coverage beginning at... 
uh, 5 o'clock tip-off. We're going to be switching over right at the end of the KU men's game. So the men's game tips off at 3. We're going to try to bring you the men, the entirety of the men's game. And as soon as that game concludes, we'll get you over to women's coverage. And once again, if you are wanting to hear the post-game coverage of the men's game, you'll be able to hear that on our sister station with 105.9 KISS. We'll take a time out of the action. Bill Self audio coming up next as he spoke with the media yesterday ahead of KU's game against Oklahoma. We'll get to that coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to our KU game picks as well. All that and more coming up here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Kansas on the road to take on Oklahoma coming up tomorrow afternoon. You'll be able to hear that game right here on KLWN with Brian Haney and Greg Early on the call. Pre-game coverage will start at 1.30, tip off at 3 o'clock for the Jayhawks and the Sooners. And don't forget, immediately following that game, we'll have the KU women's game as well as they are in Provo to take on BYU. Tip off at 5 o'clock there. If you want to hear the entirety of our post-game coverage of the KU men's game, you'll be able to hear that on our sister station over at 105.9 KISS. Just heard from Bill Self in our previous segment to end the 4 o'clock hour talking about this game and this is certainly a very important game for both teams. When you look at Kansas, they are obviously struggling on the road so far in conference play this season. Just one road win in conference play. It actually came against Oklahoma State in Oklahoma in, uh, in Stillwater uh, exactly a month ago, actually, on January 16th. So it'll be over one month since KU's last road win by the time they tip off against Oklahoma. And for the Sooners, this is a team that I think is still battling for an NCAA tournament bid. I mean, they, they're in, in the 6, 7, 8 seed range, depending on which bracketology you look at. And they are a team that I don't think is necessarily locked into the NCAA tournament if they were to struggle down the stretch. And this is certainly an opportunity for them to get a big win at home uh, in front of what's going to be a sold-out crowd for them. And I know it's an atmosphere that we tend to make fun of a lot at, in Norman as being kind of a crappy atmosphere, but this is a good chance for them to possibly get a big win. You look at the rest of their schedule, they do play Iowa State on the road and Houston at home. They also get Texas again later on in the season. So this is one of their few chances to get have a decent shot at a win, right? And for Oklahoma, they are banged up. Talked about that in the open of the show. Sounds like John Hughley's probably not going to play. Rivaldo Soares, who was a guy who randomly was performing really well for Oklahoma off the bench, he's probably not going to be able to play for KU for uh, OU. And on the flip side for Kansas, of course, all eyes are going to be on Kevin McCuller and what his status will be. I get the sense that he is going to play in this game. I think it's just a matter of how much he plays uh, in the game for Kansas uh, based off of what Bill Self said yesterday about Kevin uh, I think he probably will play, but again, it, it's it's a it's a tough decision, right? Because you don't want to risk possibly delaying him getting to 100% by playing him in this game. But at the same time, if you're Kansas, you recognize the gravity of the situation, which is if you drop this game, you are definitely done for the Big 12 title race. But at this point, you're already probably almost done anyways. And this is a team that even even publicly, Bill Self and other players have made comments about this about the overarching goal of this season, which is to be playing your best basketball by the time you get to March. And that would involve getting everyone healthy, and certainly including Kevin McCuller uh, for this game against, or for, I should say, for the NCAA tournament coming up in, in March. So this is also the final meeting for KU and Oklahoma before Oklahoma departs to the SEC. Bill Self talked a little bit about uh, some of the finer memories of playing Oklahoma. You go back to like the Buddy Heald years with Frank Mason and Devontae, uh, Devontae Graham and some fantastic uh, games that they had, including the triple overtime in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, which I, I think they were two and three at the time in the rankings, or maybe one and three, one and two. You know, top Both were top five teams in the rankings at, at the time of that game. So there's certainly been some great games between KU and Oklahoma during this stretch. And of course, KU fans will know that Oklahoma hasn't won in Lawrence in a very long time. Actually, since it's before I was born. It goes back that far. So, I hope to try to uh, close out this, I guess, storyline of KU and Oklahoma in the Big 12 with a victory on the road in Norman. And it would mean a lot, certainly, to Kansas at this stage to get things going uh, against this uh, against this Oklahoma team and try to find a way to win. Javion McCollum is a guy that has been playing pretty well for Oklahoma as of late. He went off early in the game against Kansas back in Lawrence, but then really struggled beyond that. And uh, KU really shut them down in the second half of their game. And that was kind of the story of that first game for Kansas was they were they didn't turn the ball over, so they were able to give a lot more shots than Oklahoma. And that led to them pulling away, especially in the second half. It was a one-point game at halftime, though, between those two teams. So it was a, a close game really early, but then Kansas ultimately pulled away one by 12. And coming into this game for Oklahoma, you look at a guy like Javion McCollum, who's still leading the team in scoring. But he hasn't been that great from the three-point line this season, just 32%, which is shocking because he's a 93% three point, uh, free throw shooter. 
typically if you're a good free throw shooter, that translates to your three-point shooting game, but not been the case. But this is an athletic Oklahoma team, but it's a team that doesn't necessarily have a major presence inside, especially if John Hughley's not going to play. They're six foot ten, two hundred and sixty pound center bowling ball, whatever you want to call him. Uh, if he's not going to play, I think that hopefully will lead to Hunter Dickinson having some opportunities to score in this game. And Dickinson had a big game against Oklahoma, twenty four and fourteen, in their first meeting. So I uh, look for Dickinson potentially to to have a strong performance for for Kansas coming up here on uh, on Saturday. This is typically with the segment where we do rock check pickhawk. But I won Rock Chuck Pickhawk over Derek, so I'm I'm the winner. I can do whatever I want now. I mean, I beat him. We 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 made we made the wager. We determined, and I was the winner. So I won our last game. So how about that? That sucks, Derek. Uh, so yeah, I'm um, I'm in control now. Won Rock Chuck Pickhawk. Uh, the line for this game officially not quite out yet. Uh, Ken Palm has this game as actually a, a one point game in favor of Oklahoma. So Kansas potentially could be dogs going in. I think. Certainly, the, the the reflection of that, the fact that there's not a line out, would lead you to believe that there's still question marks from Vegas about okay, is McCuller going to play? Who is available for Oklahoma? And that could certainly sway the line because if, if Kevin McCuller is able to play, that's, that's obviously that that would certainly certainly change things depending on his status. So, uh, no line out yet, but this has a Ken Palm has the game as a one point game in favor of Oklahoma, and I, I mean it's. It's just tough for Kansas, right? It's brutal because, again, we talk about the environment or lack thereof at Lord Noble Center, but as KU fans know, when it's Kansas, it don't matter, right? You go back to like the UCF game where they sold out the arena for the second time in the entire history of their program uh, for Kansas to show up. You look at like West Virginia and some of the atmospheres you've seen uh, for some of their other games at home versus what they brought for when KU showed up. Uh, the only arena that's been really not great was Oklahoma State, and obviously Oklahoma State has been the worst team in the Big 12 this season, so can't really blame them for their fans for not really showing up as they've, they've, that program has become a dumpster fire, really, basically, for lack of a better term. So, so I do think the atmosphere that we're going to see tomorrow is going to be probably better than what you would normally get from Oklahoma, uh, considering the, considering the magnitude, magnitude of this game. So we'll see how much that affects Kansas, because obviously it has not been kind to them, the road, certainly, so far in conference play. But uh, they got a chance here to possibly write the ship because when you look at their next two road games after this one, at Baylor and at Houston, and those are going to be two very, very difficult games regardless of the environment because those are two very, very talented teams that KU will have to play on the road against. So this is by far your best opportunity to get a true road win if you're Kansas at this stage of the season. And obviously the NCAA tournament is not played on a on a road floor, but you'd like to have some confidence that you can win away from Allen Fieldhouse and there hasn't been a lot of that through conference play so far for Kansas. So I, I do like Kansas in this game, though. Oklahoma seems to me to be a, uh, floundering just a little bit. I know they had one two straight before that Baylor game, but they got thumped pretty good by Baylor, uh, lost by 17. And it was a close game against Oklahoma State. They only beat this, they only beat the Cowboys by four. And I, I think Kansas is going to come out inspired. They've, got, they've had some time off, had some time to recover from that Texas Tech game. Uh, I'm expecting Kansas to come out looking a lot sharper than they than they did against Texas Tech, and I think they'll have to find a way to get this win. You know, Bill Self talked about how that the moment uh, in the season, that sort of aha moment in the season that Kansas has felt in previous years, he says they haven't felt it yet, and this could be a game maybe where things click and maybe Kansas ends up winning big, and that become and this becomes that moment for KU. But uh, I do think KU is going to win this game over Oklahoma. I think even if Kevin McCuller is not playing, you know, his maximum capacity. I think even if he does play a little bit, it's going to be a huge boost for KU. And keep an eye on Jamar McDowell. You know, he's a guy that certainly I feel bad for in some ways because he would have been in line probably to get a significant increase in playing time over these past uh, couple games with Kevin McCuller not playing, and he just had the flu. So uh, I'm curious to see what Jamari McDowell does and what his his role could potentially be in a game like this if Kevin is limited or doesn't play nearly as much. So keep an eye on Kevin McCuller and uh, – Jawan McDowell in this game. Bill Self said yesterday that he expects both of them to be available. So so it shouldn't be a surprise that I'm rolling with Kansas because that's what I do. I always roll with Kansas. So <laughs> I'll pick Kansas here to beat Oklahoma and uh, get back on the right track. And it uh, should be an exciting game, though. Once again, you'll be able to hear that game right here on KLWN. Pre-game coverage starting at 1.30 for a 3 o'clock tip-off tomorrow afternoon, Kansas and Oklahoma. 
Shorter show here today is where we are going to step out for high school basketball coverage coming up on the other side. It's the City Showdown, Lawrence High and Free State. Myself and Craig Kershizer on the call of that. So that's coming up next. That's it for this edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks so much to Graham Doran from Graham Doran Bracketology for hopping on the show earlier in the day. And thanks so much to you, of course, as always, for listening. As a reminder, if you missed anything from today's show, you can check that out on the Best of RCST podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including at KUSports.com, presented by Massage Envy. We'll be back on Monday to break down all things KU basketball and more right here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 3 to 6 on Monday, same time, same place. And until then, be safe. See ya. Well, that's it here on the podcast side here on the Best of RCSD podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. And, of course, if you do want to hear the full show, you can listen every day, 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, for Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You are only daily KU-centric sports radio show that you'll find every day from 3 to 6 on KLWM. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thanks so much for listening to the Best of RCSD podcast presented by Massage Envy. You can also find us on KUSports.com as well. Be sure to check out the live show every day from 3 to 6 on KLWN. Thanks for listening.